Hello, I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. We're in the series of Christian Foundations, and in particular, we're looking at the baptism in the Spirit. The foundational doctrines described in Hebrews 6 uh, list seven foundational doctrines that we really have to establish first, and they are listed there as repentance, faith toward God, doctrine, understanding what doctrine, the importance of doctrine, uh, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we're focusing on baptisms. And uh, we saw that there are three baptisms that are foundational for the Christian. The first one that is absolutely essential because that's actually the baptism into Christ, and that happens at salvation. When you're baptized into Christ, or Christ also comes into you, praise God, and it says that we are made to drink of his spirit. We receive the spirit within us. We receive the new birth, praise God. And the first part of the promise of, God, of the spirit that was given by God for the new covenant is fulfilled at the moment of salvation. We receive the spirit within us. And then at the baptism in water is where we publicly declare and demonstrate and act out what God has already done in our spirit. As we go up on into the water and are buried, immersed in the water, and then we come up out of the water, that's a picture of us, our death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. Our old man, our old spirit man, has died with Christ, was buried with Christ, and now we are risen with Christ as a new creation, a reborn spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit within us. Praise God. And so in that baptism in water, we, are, we become a new creation. Sorry, it declares what God has done for us in Christ. But the third baptism is the baptism in the Spirit. We see that, uh, in fact, in the book of Acts, for instance, the normal thing, the normal start of the Christian life is that these, the, these, um, the new believers received these three baptisms. Although they're distinct experiences, they received them on the same day usually. Not always, but that would be the normal thing. And so the normal thing is that we would receive these baptisms one after the other. The foundational one is our baptism into Christ. And then if we're obedient, we are then baptized in water. And if we surrender to God, we can also receive the baptism in the Spirit. And we get, that's the best possible start then to the Christian life. The purpose of the baptism in the Spirit we've seen uh, in, in the previous two messages is empower, to be empowered to witness. Empowered to fulfill God's mission for our lives. The Great Commission. And, and so we need His power as well as having the Spirit within us, which is our own blessing for our own life with God, and to walk with God, we also need the power of His Spirit to be able to communicate that blessing and life to others. And so God doesn't, the blessing of Abraham, you see, was God said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. That's the two aspects of God's blessing. God blesses us, but also He makes us a blessing. And the baptism of the Spirit is that, because we are blessings to people. The greatest blessing we can be is to share the gospel and for them to get saved. But also when we share the word of God 
and, we, uh, and, and they become better and better disciples of Jesus. And so we need the power of God to accomplish that. It's a supernatural power we need to fulfill our mission in life. Why does God not just take us to heaven when we die? Because he has a purpose, a mission for us in this earth. And he, we use our gifts and our calling to do that. And the baptism in the Spirit will activate your spiritual gifts to fulfill God's mission. And so we saw that this, this um, twofold uh, ministry of the Spirit in the New Covenant, the Spirit within, the Spirit of, upon, was prophesied in the Old Testament that this Messiah would bring this into reality. First of all, he says, I will give you a new spirit within you and I will put my spirit within you, Ezekiel says, and cause you to walk in my ways. And so that's the spirit of God within that all believers will receive in the new covenant. This was not possible in the old covenant, but in the new covenant, the new birth and the spirit within us for our own personal blessing and holiness with God. But then he said also, Joel, Joel's prophecy was that it will come to pass afterward, after the work of the Messiah, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. So this is the spirit upon all flesh. And then we see the result of the spirit upon all flesh is to release the gifts of the spirit, to release uh, visions and healings and miracles and so on. And so the spirit of God upon us that is promised to all believers, all flesh, is for the purpose of, of empowering us uh, for, for, to witness and to do that ministry. And we saw that uh, John the Baptist, when he announced the Messiah, also announced that he would be the one who would baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And he compares it to baptism in water. That's how the physical analogy of it. Because um, he says in Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you in water, but he who's coming after me is mightier than I. This is a greater thing. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So in other words, just as I immersed you in water so that that water was all over you, so Jesus is going to baptize us in the Holy Spirit so that you'll be immersed in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, in other words, will be upon you. Jesus himself said in Acts 1.5, John truly baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so Jesus was speaking those words just a few days before the day of Pentecost when, of course, they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that's when they received power to be witnesses. And that's when the church started exploding through that power being released. And then we see in Jesus' own life this twofold, because he's our representative man. Jesus was born, he was conceived of the Spirit, he was born of the Spirit. He had the Holy Spirit from birth. He lived a perfectly holy life. He didn't need the baptism of the, in the Holy Spirit for himself. It was, in, it was to, given for power to be a blessing, power for his ministry. And at his baptism, of course, it says that the Holy Spirit descended now, we already had the Holy Spirit within him, but this is a different ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit descended upon him like a dove and remained upon him. And now he was clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was an, he'd never done a miracle before then, but now he was empowered to preach. In fact, he said, 
He said, you know, in, in Luke 4.18, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me now. He's anointed me now to preach and to heal and to deliver the captives. And so it's the power of God upon us to fulfill that ministry. And it's all to bring people to God and cause them to be disciples, followers of the Lord. And so Jesus had a two-stage experience. He was conceived of the Spirit. He had the Spirit, but he also needed the Spirit upon him to fulfill his ministry. And he's our example. And so when we're born again, we have the Spirit within us, but we also need to seek God and receive the Spirit upon us for that purpose of ministry. Jesus, in his teaching, also described these two experiences as in terms of living water. He said to the woman of the Samaritan, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Whoever drinks of this water will uh, thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And he's describing now the work of the Spirit within us. And, and when we're born again, we have this fountain that connects us to God. And we have eternal life in our spirit. And that living water in us is the Spirit within us. But there's a second experience that Jesus described in John 7, which is the Spirit upon us flowing out of us to bless others. He said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. In other words, receive the Spirit within you. But then he who believes in me, there's a second experience available. As the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And that's the baptism in the Spirit, when we don't just have the Spirit within us for ourselves, but we surrender to the Spirit of God to come upon us and then flow out of us to others as rivers of living water. And that's what uh, we, we need to receive. And, and Jesus and John the Baptist, you know, he, he also said that... Upon um, that God said to him, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him. In other words, Jesus, when he received the baptism in the Spirit, then, Jesus, then John is told, this is he, the same one who baptizes with the, in the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus uh, received the baptism of the Spirit, and now he will now give the baptism of the Spirit to us. And just as he received it for power, for ministry, he gives it to us to empower us for our ministry, to be a blessing to others. Well, we then saw that the apostles also had a twofold experience. In John 20, 22, it says that on the evening of his resurrection, he breathed upon them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so this is when they were born again. He, he imparted, he breathed into them the Holy Spirit. And now they had the Spirit of God within. Praise God. It was only possible because he died to pay the price for it. And he rose again to make, to make it real. And now he imparted the Spirit within them. Just as he did with Adam in the first creation, he breathed into him the breath of life. So now Jesus, and this is a picture of what he does for all of us, he breathes into us his breath, his Spirit and that we are born again, and now we have His Spirit within us. 
And so they had the spirit within them, but then he started to prepare them and he said, look, you haven't got the complete experience yet. There's another dimension of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that you haven't received yet, and it's to empower you for ministry. And don't try and do it without this divine power. And so that's why he said, you are my witnesses. In, in, on the day of the resurrection, he said, you are my witnesses of these things. In other words, I'm calling you to do a mission, to witness to me. But you need my power to do that. Now, they already had the spirit within, but he's saying, you need my power. You haven't received the full promise of the Father. He says, behold, I send the promise of the Father upon you. This is the power of God upon them. Tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued or clothed with power from on high. And uh, he said much the same thing. Just at the end of the 40 days he spent with them, uh, just before he ascended to heaven, he says, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized. You'll be immersed in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And he says, this is power for ministry. He says, power to be my witness. For he goes on to say, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And so, Jesus wasn't made a better person by being anointed with power. And so, if, if Christian, you might think, well, the, are you saying that some Christians are better than others because they've got this baptism in the Spirit? No, it doesn't, it isn't for you. It isn't to make you a better person. The Spirit within you makes you who you are in Christ, but it is a power for ministry. And we all have different anointings from God, but God has an anointing for each one of us, and you need to receive the anointing that God has for you. You need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make you a better Christian, but it empowers you to do His work in the earth, to be His witness, and that's important. Um, and then, so the disciples, received the Spirit within on the evening of the resurrection. They received the Spirit upon them on the day of Pentecost, it says, um, that there appeared to... What happened on the day of Pentecost is, is the Holy Spirit manifested like fire and sat upon each of them. This is the Spirit coming upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. We're going to see that they had two aspects to this experience. The Spirit of God came upon them. The, Spirit, uh, the outward thing was that the Holy Spirit came upon them. But remember, it's the whole, same Spirit upon them that's already within them. So for the Holy Spirit, who is the same person who is within them, to also come upon them, he has to flow out from the Spirit through the soul and come upon our body. And that requires us to surrender and, and to be filled with the Spirit. As Ephesians 5.18 says, be being filled with the Spirit. We should constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means to be controlled by the Spirit. That means we have to, for this to happen, we have to surrender our soul and our body to Him and say, God, I want to fulfill your mission in the earth. I surrender my soul and my body for the Holy Spirit to come and fill me. So for the Spirit to come upon them, it also needs the Spirit to fill 
fill us from within. And the, the evidence that he is fill, filling and taking control of our body even, is that we, uh, we speak in tongues. That's the outward evidence that we've received this experience. Because when you speak in tongues, you are speaking the words that the Holy Spirit gives them. It says they spoke. You have to speak. But they spoke in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them the words and they spoke them out. And that means their tongue is now yielded to the Holy Spirit. And, and that is the outward sign that the Spirit of God is upon them. Praise God. And so that's the experience there. The prototype experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled and they were all speaking in other tongues. Speaking in tongues is available to all believers. This is the blueprint experience and it was for all of them. And that is the sign of being filled, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And Acts 11 confirms when the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit, that this, what they received at Pentecost was actually the baptism in the Spirit, because the Gentiles received the same experience in Acts 10, and then when Peter describes this experience, he says it's the same experience we had on the day of Pentecost, we Jews. Um, and then he says it's called the baptism in the Spirit. So this is different from salvation. He says, as I began to speak, to, to the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. That's at the day of Pentecost. The same experience, he says. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so he calls that experience the baptism in the Spirit, the Spirit coming upon them. Then we go to Acts 8, and this is the experience of the Samaritans. And again, we see a two-stage experience. It says, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heard the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Now, they were definitely saved. They, were, they believed the gospel, they were baptized, no doubt about it, they were saved. They had the Spirit within them. But then it goes on and says, But when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now that doesn't fit with most people's theology. They had received the Spirit within, but there is another reception of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit upon which he then clarifies in the next verse, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for as yet he had fallen upon none of them. He had not come upon none, any of them. They had only been baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And clearly there was a clear outward evidence that they had received. They, it seemed like they knew. It wasn't some kind of intangible spiritual experience. They knew that they didn't receive the Holy Spirit before. Why? Well, because they didn't speak in tongues. But now, when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. They knew it. There was a clear outward evidence of it. And the reason we know that as well is because it says that when Simon saw, and Simon was this magician-type guy, he saw something happen. 
It wasn't an inward experience, it was also an out, something outward happened because Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. And he offered them money saying, give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Something spectacular must have happened to impress this, this uh, occultist uh, that he wanted to be able to do the same thing and probably charge a lot of money for doing it. But Peter said to him, your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. Now, unfortunately, the translation here misses it. The word here, this matter, is logos, which means this words or this utterance. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. In other words, what, what Simon coveted was the ability to release people into speaking in tongues because he says you have no portion in this utterance. And so although it doesn't specifically say they spoke in tongues, church history tells us that they did, but also you can deduce it that there was a supernatural utterance that was the proof that they were baptized in the Spirit. But again, it was a two-stage experience. Through Philip, they were saved and had the Spirit within. Then through um, the, uh, the apostles, they received the Spirit upon them. We see the same two-stage experience with the Apostle Paul in Acts 9 because Paul was converted on the road to Damascus. He said, Lord, when he saw the risen Christ, he, he said, Lord, he, he was saved. But then uh, later, it says that Ananias was told to go to his house, and it says that Ananias laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul. In other words, Saul, Paul, who was a, was a believer. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So the filling of the Holy Spirit was a distinct experience. And then it says he received his sight and he was baptized in water. And although it doesn't say that Paul spoke in tongues, we know from Corinthians, he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. So Paul was, was filled with the Spirit, spoke in tongues, but possibly... A, you know, a, sh a short time after his salvation. And then, of course, in Acts 10, we have the Gentile Pentecost, uh, and we, we see that uh, while Peter was preaching, it says uh, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. So it's something obvious outwardly happened. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Notice, poured out upon the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. So notice the evidence, not only in Acts 2, the evidence was speaking in tongues. Here it's absolutely clear that the reason why they knew that the Spirit of God had come upon them was that they heard them speak in tongues and magnify God. In other words, the outward proof, the evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is the speaking in tongues. That was the only proof that they looked for and that they accepted, and they, that was undeniable proof. Then Peter answered, can we forbid their water baptism, since that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? They had the same experience, and it was evidenced by them all speaking in tongues. And then they were baptized in water. And then when Peter describes the experience, he says, As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, as upon us at the beginning. It's the baptism in the Spirit. Then I remember the word of the Lord, saying, John indeed baptized with water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So this experience is the baptism in the Holy Spirit.
and it's evidenced by speaking in other tongues. And so then finally we see in Acts 19, the Ephesians had the same two-stage experience. Paul came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now that question itself shows you there's a two-stage experience. He thought they were believers in Christ, but he wasn't sure if they'd received the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, they had the Spirit within, but he was making sure that they'd also received the Spirit upon, that they'd been baptized in the Spirit. If, every, if we receive everything of the Holy Spirit at salvation, then that would be a silly question. And so they said to him, we haven't even heard there was, whether there's a Holy Spirit. Now he began to realize they're not even Christians. And he said to them, into then, what were you baptized? Because in water baptism, you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They hadn't heard of the Holy Spirit. So they clearly hadn't even, they weren't actually saved. And so they said, into John's baptism. They just had John the Baptist baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. In other words, he's now saying, look, you've taken the first step, but you need to take the next step. And put your faith in Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So now they were definitely saved. They, they, they heard, they believed, and Paul baptized them. So there's no doubt they're saved, but they're not yet baptized in the Spirit. And after their baptism in water, it says, Paul laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So notice the, the baptism in the Spirit is when the Spirit comes upon them, and that happened subsequent to their salvation. Yeah, maybe only half an hour or a short time after their salvation, but nevertheless, it's a distinct experience for the Spirit to come upon them, and it was evidenced again by them all speaking in tongues. So consistently we see it's normal for a Christian to receive the Spirit as a separate, the baptism in the Spirit as a separate experience after salvation, shouldn't be that long after, and the evidence of this baptism is speaking in tongues, and so just because you're saved doesn't mean you've been baptized in the Spirit, and this is an experience you need to ask God for, but it's not power, it's power for a purpose, it's power to fulfill the Great Commission, to fulfill God's will in your life. And speaking in tongues is the evidence of this baptism. It's the evidence the apostles received. It's the evidence they accepted in the experience of others. They never looked or asked for any other evidence. And no other evidence is given in the New Testament. It's but speaking in tongues. And so don't be satisfied with, with not being able to speak in tongues. It is available for you. There's a book that fits perfectly with this series on Christian foundations called Growing Up Spiritually. And this is so important that we know the foundational teachings whereby we can grow spiritually. And uh, let me recommend this book. It's, uh, it's, it's not very expensive. Growing Up Spiritually gives you many of the key teachings in this series and, and others too. Thank you for watching. You can watch more of our teachings on our Oxford Bible Church Roku channel and Derek Walker YouTube channel. You're most welcome to join us at our church services which are every Sunday at 11am and 6pm at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, OX3 7QH. You can order CDs, DVDs, books and other great products from our online shop at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk. 
or by calling 01865 515 086.